0: Welcome to the Dirty Lie podcast, a podcast about facts, figures, and weird things from the past. I'm your host, Dez, and I'm here with my co-host,
1: TMT. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Each week, I give my co-host, Tim Tayo, three quote-unquote facts, and he has to figure out what is true and
1: what is a dirty lie.
0: What is the dirty lie? What has actually happened in history? hello hi guys welcome to this week's episode of
1: the dlp
0: the dirty lie podcast
1: the dlp podcast
0: i am des
1: dirty lie podcast podcast i am tmt
0: are you giving us gtb bank (laughs) i'm
1: still just trying to figure out this name thing honestly
0: okay i'm des and i'm here with my co-host
1: tt
0: timitaio
1: the first of his name
0: Hi, welcome to this week's episode where we are talking about hijacking.
1: It's been a crime, we've been on a crime spree.
0: Yes, on a discussion of crimes spree. Right, no, no,
1: actual spree, because <laughs> that's illegal.
0: That is illegal, we are lawyers. We believe in law and order in this house.
1: I do not believe in law and order even though in the last episode i said i believe in law and order i've changed my mind you have things change
0: oh that fast
1: Uh, supper is crazy (laughs) makes you reevaluate things quick
0: so this week we're talking about hijacking Mm. of planes okay in history flyjacking as it's it is it is literally only called hijacking (laughs) sorry you're not going to turn hijacking into traffic kids okay yeah sorry you Ready to get into it?
1: Yeah, 100%. Let's do it.
0: Okay, this week's facts. Fact one in 2021, mm. the KGB hijacked a Ryanair flight in order to capture a Belarusian blogger. Yikes, they hijacked the whole flight, okay, so they could get a blogger from Belarus. <laughs> All right, that's fact one. That's fact one. Fact two. The first successful hijack in Nigeria's history Mm -hmm. happened on the twenty fifth of October, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, when four teenagers hijacked a Nigerian Airways flight from Lagos to Abuja, to in order to instil MKO Abiola as president. This was just after the June twelve elections had been cancelled. Yeah, and they were like, in in order to get MKO installed. ...in his rightful place as president... ...we are going to hijack this plane... Okay. Four young Nigerian men...
1: ...silent protest...
0: ...well, I think a bit more than silent... Yeah. <laughs> ...and fact number three... ...in 2006... ...a group of nine Afghan men... Mm. ...led by two brothers... ...Ali Safi and Muhammad Safi... Mm-hmm. ...hijacked a plane... ...an Ariana Afghan Airlines flight... Forcing it to fly to Stansted Airport, Mm -hmm. and upon getting there, they were given asylum by the British government.
1: Okay, 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 okay. So
0: they hijacked the plane, and the Brits were like, "Oh, you try so hard to get here, you can stay." Mm. (laughs) So,
1: is there any funny business in these questions? What do you mean? Little tricks.
0: I don't know. Do I ever play little tricks on you? Yes. Oh.
1: And there's always funny business. Mm. So, I have decided that the answer is... The first one.
0: The Belarusian one. That's the lie. It's not the lie, sorry. Yeah, that's the lie. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It's not the lie. What? No.
1: I've heard the Belarusian story before. Mm. And I thought the lie was that it was the KGB. I thought it was his government that did it
0: it was his government secret service with the kgb Mm. kgb sponsored
1: what's his name again andre something
0: roman protashevich roman protashevich the
1: The belarusian president
0: no that is the blogger
1: okay no the the belarusian blogger it was the president that ordered it right it was what's his name chivchenko or something weird like that because i know he loves him and Putin are like besties
0: Mm.
1: and he's an equally strange um dictator
0: the president is Lu- Lukashenko Lukashenko uh-huh, Alexander Lushenker. Lukashenko
1: yeah that's him that's my boy
0: yes so he personally ordered it but yeah. the KGB um, sponsored the
1: diversion yeah nice so what's the truth hold on
0: you mean what's the lie <laughs>
1: sorry what's the lie
0: the Nigerian one that's not the first mm. hijack in our history you had hijack uh, ordered by Ujuku during Biafra. Mm-hmm. Should we get into that first?
1: Yes, I feel like Ujuku is a very sensitive subject, so I think we should <laughs> clear it up as soon as possible.
0: <laughs> okay, we're not going to. Okay, so I'll talk about the Nigerian hijacks, and then we'll go to Belarusian guy, and we'll go to the Afghans. Sounds good. Cool. So on October twenty fifth, nineteen ninety three, Nigerian Airways flight was hijacked by four. Nigerian teenagers, mm. like 19 year old, 20 year old. Their names were Richard Ajibola Obunderu, mm-hmm. Kabir Adenuga, Benneth Uluadaisi, and Kenny Razak Lawal. Okay. They hijacked a flight going from Lagos to Abuja. It was a an Airbus A310 200. Was a big plane, and according to the New York Times, they had 159 passengers on board.
1: It's a lot of people. However,
0: yeah. However, some records indicate that there were between 135 to 137 passengers on the flight. So there's no hard number that I can give you, but there were There were over 100 people on that flight. The plane was supposed to go from Lagos to Abuja just distance for about 509 kilometers. And in st- inside of the plane, you had Nigerian government functionaries or dignitaries. You had businessmen going to Abuja. You had some Americans. The plane was then diverted to Niger.
1: Did they land there?
0: They landed in Niger. And the hijack lasted for three days. Mm. About 70 hours. The plan was apparently to hijack the plane and go to Frankfurt, Germany. So... Reports say that when the men hijacked the plane, they stood up and said, Ladies and gentlemen, this plane has been taken over by mad men. Movement for actualization of democracy. <laughs> mad. <laughs> Mate. Remain calm. We will not harm you. You will be told where the plane will land. The four hijackers said that they were acting for Jerry Yus- the Jerry Yusuf-led movement for the advancement of democracy. Their mission, as I said, was to reroute the flights to Frankfurt, Germany, or Ghana. Mm.
1: No. They gave options.
0: Yes, but the Ghanaian government were like, you're not landing in our country. Ah. Yeah. They were like, no, we're not taking band of miscreants. So um, the Gabonese authorities said the same thing. I like that
1: all this country starts with G.
0: <laughs> Germany, Ghana, and Gabon. Ah. The real G's. They were like, yeah, you're not coming here. So the plane was diverted to Niger Republic. And they held the plane hostage for 70 hours, demanding the enthronement of democracy in Nigeria.
1: What did they ask for?
0: They wanted... So the June 12th annulment, for anyone who is not aware, is when you had a presidential, democratic presidential election happen in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Um, MKO Abiola was declared the winner. Yeah. And then the election was annulled by the then military regime of ibp right yes so you had in the june 12 movement that was happening around the country at that time you had a lot of agitations some bombings a lot was going on in 1993 and at this time you had different movements, including, as we've spoken about before, Deco, which, you know, another democratic movement. But mm. you also had the Mad Men, the Movement for the Advancement of Democracy. So let's talk about the plane. Kay. Included in this flight was Rong Yiren, who at the time was the vice president of China. Mm-hmm. So they had some big dogs on the plane with them. Mm-hmm. They said that they will set the plane on fire in 72 hours if the military-backed interim government in Nigeria did not resign and name MKO or Moshuda Biola as as the president of Nigeria.
1: They have guns.
0: So, they had petrol. What? (laughs) So, one of the hijackers, Ajibola Ogundero, who was 19 years old at the time, this incident happened gave details of how they carried out this hijack in an interview in 2020 so he said with the head of the MAT the madmen met in a hotel in surulere and in the meeting he was told that he should you know he met with some other guys and they told that they should use a toy gun mm. to hijack an aircraft they said that they had heard that someone had used a toy gun to hijack an aircraft elsewhere. And so they thought it would be possible to do it in Nigeria. Fair enough. Now, the person who conceived of the hijack was this Jerry Yusuf, who, who was a businessman. He didn't partake in it. He just... Yeah, he came up with the idea. He got some young, young men involved and thought, you know what? Let me run this. According to Ogunderu, a pro-democracy doctor gave them 10,000 naira to carry out the hijack. Okay. So he was like, it wasn't a financial motivation because the money was small. We really wanted democracy, but they were paid 10,000 naira.
1: Which was like, I want to say maybe a million? 10,000
0: in 93 would be a million today. I think so. Really? I mean, it would be much more, but I don't know if it would be 100 times more. Do you think money has gone down that badly?
1: I mean, what's the naira rate in 93?
0: According to them, it was 16 minutes before they landed in Abuja that they struck. According to the plan, Ogundere was supposed to take the pamphlets that contained their mission to the pilots. And in doing this, the second guy was supposed to come in with a pistol to the pilot. It wasn't an actual pistol. It was a toy gun. But the plan was to put the pilot's gun and force him to listen to Ogundero's Command. Right. So the leader of the actual thing was a 19 year old kid. Jeez. Like the leader of the actual operation yeah. in the air was the 19 year old. So, yes, the pilot knew immediately that they were hijacking it and he was being held at going point and he obeyed them the main discussion between the hijackers and the pilot was where they could land the plane because the pilot told them that they did not have enough petrol
1: to go to Germany. Yes. Which is And fair.
0: he would likely have to refuel the plane. Now, this is very fair because if you're supposed to go from Lagos to Abuja, I'm assuming you don't have enough to go all the way to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. They said it was a bit of an impromptu hijack. Oh, okay. They didn't give it much thought. <laughs> so they told the pilot that you know they don't want to hurt anyone they just want to give publicity to their cause they didn't think the interim government was going to hand over power to mko and they thought democracy was really important for nigeria's future now because of the fuel scarcity they looked for an african nation which would accept their idea of the importance for democracy
1: but also had fuel huh also had fuel Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> so this is how they end up in Niger. They had brought the toy gun and petrol onto the plane. So they brought out petrol on the plane and brought out a lighter and threatened that they were going to set the aircraft ablaze. They also searched the passengers. And in searching the passengers, they found some actual pistols. Oh my God. Which they then seized. After the authorities in Ghana and then Gabon has refused to allow them land. They decided on Niger Republic. You know why the Ghanaian authorities refused to let them land?
1: I think like Ghana must go related. No. Okay.
0: <laughs> they refused to let them land saying that Nigerian Airways was already owing them some landing fees.
1: Jesus Christ. They were like, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg,
0: I beg. Don't I to give you free landing. <laughs> I like, don't like, like, guys. This
1: is. a <laughs> Don't talk to me about that. Click the phone.
0: So the aviation minister of Nigeria Republic spoke to them through the aircraft intercom and said that he was willing to give them fuel to go to Germany. And they confirmed to him that they just wanted to talk to the press and raise the publicity. They did not want to. Harm anyone. Harm anyone. Luckily for them, the Minister of Aviation in Niger spoke English because they didn't speak any French. So they had that. They thought they were going to have communication problems. So they land in Niger and Nigeria sent 24 delegates to come and talk to the hijackers. However, the Nigerian delegates did not come to the aircraft or enter the aircraft or anything, they were in a hotel. Asking them to come to the hotel to meet them. After two hours of negotiations in Niger, they freed one hundred and twenty-nine people, including the vice president of China, Rong Yiren.
1: Wait, so why, like, how did they, where did they negotiate
0: first? Of all? They were on the plane in Niger in the airport okay. on you know the tarmac. Yeah. And after two hours of negotiations, they freed one hundred and twenty-nine okay, people. So
1: they didn't, they didn't go to the airport
0: no they were in they were still on the plane okay and they held back the crew and nigerian government officials and they were like everyone else could go not knowing how skilled or sophisticated the hijackers were the police could initially not attack the plane they didn't know you know what to do yeah so They were like, we just want to get everyone's attention. At this point in time, international news knew about it. You know, New York Times had already posted about it because this was ongoing for, at this point, over 70 hours. So this is on day three. Abacha threatened them. At this point, when Abacha was threatening them, they were threatening back. Like, you say you're going to do this, we are going to do this. But because they were, they said they were serious about burning the plane, but they were really not but they really did not want to harm the passengers, which is why they let everyone go, except for the crew and the Nigerian officials, who they wanted to use as bargaining tools. Mm-hmm. Right? Abacha was threatening to storm them with a tr- with truckloads of soldiers from Nigeria, mm. but the French government warned Abacha that it Niger was not British territory, mm. so they felt protected by the fact that this is not like when we're not in anglophone country we're not in a former british colony the french are not going to allow truckloads of nigerian military men pull up on this plane however the french decided to capture them at this point they feel that the passengers must have informed the french like they didn't have complex bombs or like they didn't threaten them with a bomb some automatic rifles who, who feels this this the hi- is the hijacker. the hijacker this is the 19 year old at the time like he's just in this interview he's just like i think the passenger said we only had a toy gun
1: how did they inform the french
0: they had let go of yeah. 120 passengers so he thinks the ones they let go had already given the french intelligence and information being like
1: yeah, they think it's a racked up group of kids like, just trying to make a point
0: yes So, one of the hijackers asked for water because this was day three. They had been taking only coffee and snacks for the past three days. And so the French brought their strikers, soldiers, and pretended that they were bringing food. So when they said they were bringing food, it did not occur to all of them that it was a trap. (laughs) And in that, they attacked, they took over the plane, and in in the melee, one member of the crew died whoa yeah the actual hijackers did not die they were remanded and they spent the next years of their life in prison in Niger
1: Next, how many years did they spend there
0: so I believe it's nine years and four months they spent in prison in Niger shortly after the hijack Anishunnikov's interim government was replaced by Sani Abacha's dictatorship and the rest is history Story, as they say. So, histoire. It's not historique. <laughs> it's histoire. Yeah, L'histoire. Histoire. <laughs> you always try to speak French on this podcast. It always ends What motivates you? <laughs> oh, at this point, I will never know will we? In an interview? In inter- Let's <laughs> <laughs> <This> go. <girl.
1: laughs>
0: the guy who led this hijack, the Ogundero, Richard Ogundero, he was the second of five children. He was the only son. And his father said he did not have a violent bone in his body. Right. He says that he has no regrets because now he gets to enjoy democracy in Nigeria, that his only regret would have been if he died.
1: Oh Richard. Richard says that about himself.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm.
1: Well see what does he do now?
0: Well, in twenty twenty when he gave this interview, he said he had the intention to study law. Eh? <laughs> yes, but he did not have the financial capacity to do so, but that he did want to study law in England, and he was hoping. The last thing he said in his interview was that he was hoping that the government or kind-hearted individuals would come to his support and help fund his legal studies. It must be at least fifty something in England. So I, I believe he is forty-nine. Now? Okay. I mean, thirty years ago he was nineteen, so he'll be forty nine now. Right. Might be, you know, fifty this year. This yeah. is this is the his fifty year. Um, but yeah, two two years ago he was saying he wished he wished to go to England to study law. Amen.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, what imagine you're on your plane and someone goes <laughs> a nineteen year old stands up. With a vat of petrol and a toy gun, and says this plane has been taken over by the madmen.
1: <laughs> I'll be like, oh, trying to go to Abuja.
0: Like literally, I haven't had lunch.
1: Trying to go to Abuja.
0: You're catching a quick flight to Abuja. The next thing, you're on the tarmac in Niger Republic. Imagine
1: you're like, he gets his visa and everything to study law. You know <laughs> uh, Yeah. And he's just like he's on the plane and then someone's just looking at him, staring at him like
0: Is your name Richard? <laughs> <laughs> so Okundaru, when he returned to Nigeria actually went to Alliance Française to get a diploma in a diploma degree in French. Did Yeah, apparently he did. Nice, because obviously he was held in Niger, Niger, and where people, everyone around him was speaking French. It got him curious. I mean, I'm sure he learnt the language, so he wanted to get like an official. No, he was there for nine years. Oh,
1: nine years!
0: Right, right, right. Sorry, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, so I'm sure he wanted to get like an official certification.
1: Must have been really nice to him for him to want to learn the language. For him to like want to, you know, official make it official. I guess he's learnt the language. He Must be fluent after nine. Also, he's 19, right?
0: He was 19, so it's probably easier for him to pick up. Yeah, his brain
1: is still developing. In
0: 2017, he gave an interview to the International Center for Investigative Reporting, in which he said, The evil that Nigerians fought against several years back continues to lurk around the country's image. It's unfortunate that our leaders continue to oppress us, the worst being that we cannot even choose our representatives in the face of fraudulent elections and the daring posture of the perpetrators of crime. So yeah, they all learned how to speak French fluently in prison. It's... I don't know. They complained about their treatment in jail in Niger, but I mean, I don't expect any better. They said they couldn't speak out of French and...
1: So those are the main languages in Niger?
0: I'm guessing, at least in their prison, those are the main languages. Interesting. Um, so they were really struggling. I imagine... Because Hausa is a lingua franca in the north and yeah. like in Niz- in parts of Nigeria, so yeah. I would imagine that um, they were struggling to communicate. But yeah, that was the 1993 hijacking. Okay. Now let me quickly get. So, I mean, it was easy to hijack a plane in Nigeria back in the day. Apparently, tickets used to be given out sometimes on the airport car itself, and pickpocketers and con artists would often mingle with travelers waiting for flights to take off. The U.S. barred flights to and from Nigeria because of security problems at the Lagos airport in '93. Now, um, let's talk about the hijack in 1967. That was the Biafra hijack. On April 23rd, 1967, three Biafran... I can't... Do I call them Biafran... youth? The Nigerian youth?
1: No, call them Biafran.
0: Three Biafran youth, Mark Odu, Sam iyanga and Onuora Nwanya hijacked a Nigerian Airways F-27 plane, which was being piloted by Singh, a P. Singh and a Tokumba Williams. The flight was originally bound for Lagos from Bini, but was diverted to Enugu. That plane became Biafra's first aircraft.
1: Drive it like you stole it, right?
0: <laughs> so this was a Sunday, and the incident occurred just three minutes into the scheduled flight from Benin to Lagos. The service was captained by the... The Singh guy was a Pakistani captain, and he had his headphones forcibly removed at one point. The aircraft was then flown from the eastern... flown to the eastern capital at the time, which was Inugu, where... The sixteen passengers, who included Nigerians, Americans, British, Irish, and Italians, in sixteen passengers to have this mix is <laughs> impressive. What were all of you doing in Benin City, <laughs> Nigeria
1: was a hotbed. Probably, you know, trying to buy some art. Probably not legally. So we'll, you, <laughs> we we'll never know, really.
0: A flight from Edu State to Lagos in 1967. You had Americans, Irish, Italians, and British. In a plane that has 16 people, where three were hijacked. i probably going for the same 19 wedding. To 20 they were going for the same wedding. Yeah. So they were searched. The plane was hijacked just three minutes in, forced to land in Enugu. The passengers were searched, and then they were taken to a luxury hotel in Enugu where they spent the night. And they were told that, oh, we'll find you um, transport back.
1: Not a plane, probably.
0: <laughs> they only have one. Yeah. During the course of the following morning, all the passengers were returned to Bini by road. There's a lot of conversation about what the true facts surrounding the hijack were. However, it was clear that Oduku had ordered the hijack of this plane because he felt at the time that the Nigerian Airways planes belonged. Like, Biafra should have their own share of the fleet because, you know, succession. We used to be one. You guys have all the planes. We should have our own. So let's take it. In a book called The Last Flight, written by Captain August Ope, who was the chief pilot of Biafra and commander of Tactical Air Command of the Biafran Air Force, he advanced two reasons why Ojukwu authorized this hijacking of the plane. One as eastern Nigeria became isolated following the economic blockade, Ojuku realized Biafra did not have a single fixed wing plane. He felt that should the proverbial cat jump to the wrong side of the fence, he would need a plane for diplomatic shuttles to different African capitals. Essentially, if he needed to leave, he would need a plane to do so. Secondly, as I said before, he felt that And I quote, this is a direct quote, Nigerian possessiveness over the real estate and property of Nigeria as if the Easterners had no share was not right. And so the heist had become an endeavor to start acquiring some of what they believed were the joint assets. This is directly from Captain Okwe's book. Now the hijackers included Lieutenant Colonel Chude Soke, Lieutenant Colonel Obioha, airline captains F.A. Osakwe and Ibikare Alel Brown, scientists Inyanga, and then Mr. Odu, Onura Mwanya, Godi Ikuazo, and Alison Okeke. Of these number of hijackers, because some were actually working for Nigerian Airways, but of the number of hijackers, only four were actual operatives on the day of the hijack. Mm. That was Inyanga, Ibikare, Mwanya and Odu. They did the actual hijacking. Odu was the youngest, but military intelligence had asked him to head the operation due to his courage. This is similar to the young, the 19-year-old in 93. <laughs> True. The youngest was in charge. True. Iyanga's role was to storm the cockpit with a gun and force the pilots to change course for Enugu. Captain Ibikari was described by Stella Wilcox, his fiancée and the mother of his only child in 2016 as a booze man who loved the good life. He was thought to be the person that was supposed to fly the plane, sit in the cockpit. His job was to ensure that the plane was flying east to Inugu by monitoring the flight instruments. Secondly, he was to take control of the airplane if the pilots were not cooperating, got neutralized by Iyanga. So essentially, if they, the pilots were not flying east and if they were neutralized, i.e., killed, then he would be in charge of flying the plane to Enugu. Nwanya, who was a coal worker at the Nigerian Coal Corporation in Enugu, his role was to convince the soldiers at the many roadblocks that the hijackers were traveling from Enugu to Benin for the burial of a coal miner. From his designated seat in the mid-cabin, he was also supposed to cover a Yanga's rear. So they had planned for not just the hijacking, but the getting onto the plane. Because at this point, obviously, war has been declared. So they have to sneak into Benin and also onto the plane. Odu was described as cold-blooded. He was later caught in Ibadan with 10 tons of gelignite meant for blowing up the Jebba Bridge and he was packed off to Kirikiri where he spent two years and seven months until the war ended. He apparently met Wole Shorinka in Kirikiri and is mentioned in Shorinka's The Man Died as Philip Bogie. His role was to cover the entire cabin from his raremost position. In 2017, he said that his signal to swing into action was when the plane banked right as it changed its course for Enugu. Weeks before the hijack, Lieutenant Colonel Obioha had given Odu money to proceed to Bini and buy four Nigerian Airways return tickets routed from Lago, um, Bini to Lagos to Binu. He then left the tickets with Iyanga's cousin who had a shop in Bini before returning to Enugu, where the task force continued to perfect their moves using a decrepit plane. On the eve of the hijack, the four drove to Bini in Iyanga's Bentley, separately making it to Mogambo Hotel for lodging after picking up their tickets from the pharmacy. Security was tight, with America issuing travel alerts to its citizens. This information is from Captain Okwe's The Last Flight, which Odu says gives an accurate reporting and account of the incident. According to Odu, it was 12.15pm on Sunday the 23rd of April 1967, and the weather was beautiful when the airplane nosed into an almost cloudless sky. Banking gently set for Lagos. As soon as the no-smoking signs were off, Sam, feigning incontinence, gestured a bit dramatically as he pointed specifically below his belt for the benefit of the cavern crew and rushed into the toilet. He had gone to recheck his gun, soon after which he rushed out again, opening the cockpit door and barking menacingly at the crew that they should head to Enugu. For avoidance of doubt, he screamed for all, and particularly the crew to hear, that it was a hijack. Ibikare, in the cockpit with them, advised compliance for the sake of safety. Saying that he was a nonviolent and peace loving man. Some of the Americans on the plane were working for a Texan oil company and they just smiled and obeyed. Of course they They were. said, Will all passengers in this cabin put their hands in the seat in front of them? Hands were lifted and placed on the seats. Nwanya was manning his post, his duty post, beautifully as well. They said, This plane is seized, but no one will be hurt. We'll make adequate arrangements for your land transportation back to Benin as soon as we reach Inugu. Odu remained standing until touchdown in Inubu. Tumbling out of the aircraft at Inugu, his satisfaction was this. We have taken our own share of the four aircrafts in the Nigerian Airways fleet. And that is the first successful hijack in Nigeria's history. Okay. So now we go to Belarus and Afghanistan. On the 23rd of May 2021, Ryanair Flight 4978 from Athens to Vilnius, with a certain Belarusian blogger, Protestovic, on board, received a false bomb threat and was diverted by Belarusian air traffic control to Minsk National Airport. While in Athens, I can't, I don't know if I can keep saying Protestevich, so I'm going to call him. Roman Raman which is his first name Roman or Raman depending on the spelling while in the airport in Athens Roman had sent messages through telegram saying that he had seen a bald man at the airport following him and taking pictures of him so he was already like something weird is going on something's about to go down. Minx airport staff said they had landed the plane due to a report of a bomb aboard the plane. Lithuanian airport authorities though stated that they had not been informed of a bomb threat. The plane changed course just before it would have entered Lithuanian airspace. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and hit the bell so that you get notified every time we drop an episode and you don't miss out on
1: anything. If you're about to listen, please just subscribe. You can always, you know, come back and unsubscribe if you don't like it, but please subscribe first. Thank you. Do it right now. Right now. Hit the button. (laughs) Let's go.
0: According to witnesses cited by Reuters, upon hearing of the diversion to Minsk, Roman immediately gave some of his luggage to his girlfriend. In Minsk, Roman and his girlfriend were arrested at passport control. (laughs) No bomb was found aboard the plane. The Belarusian president, Alexander Lukashenko, press service, announced that he had personally ordered the plane redirected to Minsk and sent a Belarusian Air Force M fighter jet to escort the plane. However, subsequently, the International Civil Aviation Organization Fact-Finding Force determined that the fighter jet was only tasked for communications and did not contact, approach, or escort the flight. So my man was pump-faking and lying. (laughs) Shortly after landing in Minsk, Roman was taken away by Belarusian police. A fellow passenger said that they heard Roman speak about possibly facing the death penalty there, which the opposition leader in Belarus, whose name I cannot dare pronounce, but.
1: <laughs> I dare not try.
0: I dare not try it. It has so many consonants and vowels. His first name is Vietlana, so that's what I'm going to do. Warned about the same day. The mass unrest charges against Roman could carry a prison sentence of up to 15 years. Mm. In July of 2022, the International Civil Aviation Organization said that the grounding of the flight was indeed illegal and blamed senior Belarusian officials also condemning Roman's arrest, calling the bomb threat deliberately false. Uh It is said that this was done by... KGB and the Belarusian secret police. Fair enough. The day after the forced Ryanair landing, Belarusian authorities issued a video in which Roman claimed he had been treated correctly, had not been harmed although he looked visibly stressed.
1: It was pretty solid guys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: On the 3rd of June, Belarusian state TV broadcast an interview with Roman in which he confessed to organizing mass unrest in the country And named his associates. His family believed the confession was made under duress. And independent experts noticed numerous marks apparently caused by physical force on his hands. And a state of what appeared to be mental breakdown. Wow. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And this was just two weeks. Like, this televised interview was the 3rd of June. The plane was taken on the 23rd of May. So they didn't waste time in collecting him. Uh, he, had, he had always been like an outspoken critique, what do you say? an outspoken blogger and political activist. Yeah. And he, especially talking about the presidency of Alexander Lukashenko and, you know, talking about the problems going on in Belarus. And at this time there was, what's call it called? What do you call this? Unrest in yeah. Belarus. Yeah. He was in a relationship with a Russian citizen called Sofia Sapega. That's the girlfriend he gave his luggage to while on the plane. And um, at the time of her arrest, she was an international law student. Lawyers, man. Always on all sides of everything. (laughs) So yeah, his opposition, activism and work in Belarus came to an end at that point in time. His girlfriend, Sofia, was remanded in custody for two months. And then... She was charged on the 3rd of December with inciting hatred facing up to 6 to 12 years of imprisonment. Crazy. And she was then sentenced on the 6th of May 2022 to six years in prison for inciting social hatred. Her lawyer said that he would appeal directly to Russian President Vladimir Putin Mm. because Apega is a Russian citizen. She was Mm. born in Russia and she's a Russian citizen. But yeah, that is,
1: the idea of just being in the air, on someone that just, and descending, some big boys in the sky,
0: bro, a whole bomb threat, it is a whole plane, crazy. Also, like, <laughs> I don't know why this is. This makes it a bit funny, but this is the Ryan Air flight <laughs> from Greece like some people just went to go and see Athens they just they went to go and see the Colosseum they went to Mykonos man. Mykonos they were flying oh, they were
1: having that holiday that you tell your friends about
0: budget flights you don't even want to have come luggage come on man. and then they divert your plane to Belarus they're
1: like whoa whoa, 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 whoa.
0: and tell you there's a bomb on air where, where are like, we right now bro and then guys yeah. come up and just pack up
1: this is a stressful situation for everyone
0: everybody involved and i like, imagine just imagine also just i mean no imagine just being like a blogger and i mean he was also the mm. editor-in-chief of a telegram channel but like you're just he's 27 yeah he's a kid he's a kid he's literally born in may 1995 like Excuse this is a young guy, and, yeah. and the president decides you're his personal op <laughs> And He's going to seize a plane just so he can get you and your girlfriend, who's a law student.
1: <laughs> it's actually wild, like, it's actually wild. I think if you're a nice I think that's like the last generation of
0: that's like the that's Gen, Gen Z. Z, yeah. That's what they call, um, what they call it, Zillennial,
1: Zillennial, like yeah. yeah.
0: It's
1: like, it's like you yeah, on the cusp, on the cusp. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: You... Do, you Gen Z didn't even have sorry ninety five. They didn't even have midnight calls. They're the area of Facebook, BBM Messenger, mm. Instagram. Was there by the they entered the university?
1: The North Korean current dictator. Is he a millennial?
0: I don't know. He's older than us, yeah. Definitely old, so, No, um, he'll definitely be a millennial. millennial. It's not Gen Z, but yeah, I know. I
1: know it's not Gen Z. Z. I, I'm not asking if he's us or Gen X.
0: I believe he's a millennial, but yeah, man, like, sick kid. He wasn't even living in Belarus anymore at this point in time. He was living in Poland. Yeah. He had run to exile in 2019. That's 39 now. hmm
1: That's crazy. we have we have millennial supreme leaders. That's wild.
0: Okay, and another thing for me, like I really feel sorry for Sophia. Why? They had been dating for six months. <laughs> Her prison sentence is twelve times longer than their relationship had been at that time. That's crazy. Like, he went to Athens with your boo. Mm. And next thing, you're in Belarusian prison. Mm. Saying that you're inciting social hatred.
1: It's actually insane.
0: Now like why I gotta be in this? <laughs> what?
1: But, yeah.
0: See, yeah, this is why I do not believe in ride and die. I am not riding or dying. For no man's, No months. Sometimes if they came here now to pick you up. I'll be like, I just met him. I don't even know his full name. I call him TMT. <laughs> you
1: came here to pick me up. I don't, I'll just say my O.S. TMT.
0: <laughs> it's really crazy. Like honestly, this story—I felt like this story was the wildest one. Mm. The president phoned in a bomb threat <laughs> so he can get a twenty. I said he's twenty-seven now, yeah. but I mean this was twenty-twenty-one, so he's twenty-five. It's crazy. But another thing, though, that is I've seen. I mean, we'll soon go to the Afghan story now. But another thing that from these hijacks and even this case is that younger people have always been active in politics, whether it is opposition activism, you know, using your voice, or even if it's taking a plane, you know, like, I mean, I'm not saying like, it's like, obviously, even when it's terrorism, Mm -hmm. you do find that it's young people. So I'm not saying that, but in terms of being able to make impact Nigeria has made it seem that you have to wait your turn to have a voice yeah and there is no such thing
1: 100% now I feel you I hear what you're saying
0: let's go to
1: Afghanistan Afghani let's go baby
0: I can't believe you didn't think this one was the lie
1: let me hear it again
0: 9 Afghan men took over a plane forcing it to land in Stansted Airport and the UK government said you guys can stay yeah
1: because I vaguely remember that story
0: oh really that's why
1: that's why I didn't, I didn't like you know I mean once I you know that just I just clicked in my head and I was like oh yeah I think that happened so oh wow yeah Let's okay.
0: go. on the 6th of february 2000 a group of nine afghan men led by brothers ali safi and Mohammed safi who were fleeing the taliban regime hijacked an ariana afghan airlines flight 805 a boeing 727 with 180 passengers and seven crew flight 805 was a domestic flight from kabul to mazar mazari sharif airport the hijackers forced the crew to instead fly to Stansted Airport in England with stopovers in Takshent, Aktobi and Moscow. Now I can't lie you guys, those first two places, I do not know if I pronounce them correctly but they had three stopovers
1: and you know moscow also
0: yeah yeah i I said moscow correctly because i when i first read this i was like how can you take a domestic flight from afghanistan to stansted but they had stopovers i guess so they must have got some refuel the siege of the aircraft started on the 6th of february and lasted until the 10th of february when they got to Stamstead Airport, they were arrested and they were convicted of hijacking and forced imprisonment in 2001 and they were sentenced to five years imprisonment. However, their convictions were quashed by the Court of Appeal in 2003 because the trial judge sum- summary made an error in law which might have misdirected the jury the judge had advised so the trial judge had advised that the defense of duress was only applicable if the defendants were under an actual objective threat whereas the court of appeal in england ruled that the law of perception of a threat can be enough for the defense to present duress as a defense i just gave a long legal explanation let's say it's in layman's English. (laughs) Their trial judge at their original trial instructed the jury that the defense of duress, that they took the plane over because they were under duress fleeing the Taliban, that they could not use duress as a defense for their crimes because they were not under an actual objective threat. Like it's not like the Taliban had pointed a gun at their heads and then they went on the plane and seized it. However, the Court of Appeal in England said that this isn't an accurate um, now this is an error in law, in law if you say you're under duress then the perception of a threat is enough yeah. like if I say I'm under duress because I'm a woman right now living in under Taliban rule and they're going around killing women who go to school they don't have to come to my house mm-hmm. to kill me personally perception of of a threat that they might enough? kill me is enough for me to say i was under duress 100 right? hundred percent, hundred percent. which i think is a it's, it's if, the right judgment it's like it's the right application of law. law
1: also you know what else is an error in law what when you marry someone when your sister marries someone else whose last name is error you become an error in law
0: i need to start holding things I did not laugh. I refused to laugh at that.
1: I didn't laugh at it when I said (laughs) it. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I started talking and I didn't know how it was going to end. But I got there in the end.
0: You did. I'm impressed actually.
1: i on, impressed at this point. I
0: did not know where you were going.
1: Just kind of derailed the conversation. In 2004,
0: in 2004, a panel of adjudicators Ruled that returning those nine men to Afghanistan would breach their human rights in accordance, in accordance with Human Rights Act of 1998. True, true. Therefore, the Home Secretary was forced to grant the men temporary leave to remain in the United Kingdom. Imagine getting leave to remain after more I'm not giving anybody ideas on this podcast.
1: Don't. No, finish know. the thought. But the thought of it is actually quite wild.
0: Leave to remain. However, in 2006, Justice Sullivan of the High Court in S and others versus Secretary of State of the Home Department ruled that it was unlawful under the 1971 Immigration Act to restrict the men's leave to remain in the United Kingdom and order that they be granted discretionary leave to remain, Mm. which would entitle them to live and work in Mm. the United Kingdom. The Home Secretary at that point had changed from Charles Clark to John Reed. And John Reed challenged the ruling in the Court of Appeal, arguing that the Home Office should have the power to grant only temporary admission to failed asylum seekers who are only allowed to stay in the UK due to their human rights. Mm-hmm. The court dismissed this appeal on the 4th of August 2006. <laughs> mm. Now, everybody was upset. Labour Party, Conservative Party,
1: Piers Morgan.
0: Everyone was upset. They were like these hijackers. Mm -hmm. In fact,
1: I respect it though. I think, despite how you feel about it, and they are entitled to feel that way about it, 100%, the law exists for a reason.
0: You know what Tony Blair said? What? Tony Blair was Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Tony Blair called the ruling an abuse of common sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I respect that.
0: I mean, yeah, it's I respect just, that. It's an abuse of common sense. Like, what? these are hijackers. These are serious crimes. Yeah. And the Shadow Home Secretary said that the hijackers had committed serious crimes. And those crimes should make them illegible, like, for refugee status. hmm Like it's not, you know, like you should not be able to benefit from commission of a crime, which I think is like a legal precedent in in every law. Like it's like you should not. It's a legal
1: principle. It's a legal principle. So it's a
0: legal principle that you should not be able to benefit from the commission of a crime so I, I i grab where everybody is coming from but also if you hijack a plane to escape the taliban and go to england you probably also should not be returned to afghanistan
1: exactly
0: so i it's a tr- it's a job them in australia that's, the, that's what they should have <laughs> which no but australia you know australia is horrible like you know they put their refugees on some like yeah island yeah. and they're just there and they just die there and they never enter Australia. Sure, Australia is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. crazy really, and especially when you're thinking about being stolen land. Like people who live on stolen land do crazy things to refugees. And it's just like uh, bro. It's just like you came here on a boat and now you're telling other people not to enter. Yeah. It's giving Trump, but it's really giving Australia like it's giving America putting kids in cages.
1: It's giving colonialism, neocolonialism. Mm-hmm. Some form of nationalism Just a lot of
0: it's a lot of A lot of, of the isms really Yeah but I When I discovered this case I was entirely like I can't believe that They got discretionary leave To remain in England
1: Are they still there till this day?
0: I believe so I mean I haven't seen Otherwise I'm not gonna I haven't seen otherwise I haven't really um, You know But yeah Okay That
1: was a solid Solid round You won this one But We'll go again next week
0: i always win just because you had a good showing once or twice now you think you're the dog okay look at me i'm your captain (laughs) now have a lovely she said
1: on an episode about hijacking
0: (laughs) oh my god oh no pun intended but that was great from me that was great from me have a lovely lovely week everybody
1: remember to share with your friends and loved ones
0: yes i hope you enjoyed this and as always if you'd like to make suggestions you can send them to us on instagram at the dirty Lie podcast on twitter at the dirty live pod via email at true truth and a dirty lie at gmail.com or you can also check the link in my bio my personal bio there's a form there you can fill it people have been sending us suggestions okay, everyone
1: goodbye bye guys